Please be seated tonight. I am so thrilled to be here in this place with you and the presence of the Lord. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Aren't you happy to know that at the sound of that name, at the sound of that name, every knee has to bow, every tongue has to confess that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. That tells me he has more power than anything and everything else put together. There is no Everest that can keep us down as long as we've got our hand in his hand. Oh, hallelujah, I'm glad to know him tonight. I'm glad to know who he is. We sing a song in our church, he's my friend and he calls me friend. Oh, aren't you glad to know him tonight? Amen. Please be seated tonight. Thank you for the introduction, Brother Bradbury. And I do want to welcome our visiting ministers tonight. We're so glad that Brother Aaron Soto has consented to come and be our speaker for, for this meeting. He's going to be our representative, WC representative for our business meeting this Friday. And uh, uh, he's uh, uh, consented to doing the evening services and speaking for the evening services for the rest of this camp meeting. And I know that you're going to be blessed by that. He's been in Alaska before. We appreciate him coming. And also, I feel very honored to have his father here with us tonight. I feel very honored. Brother Soto, thank you for coming. Amen. He has um, uh, been one of our pastors. He's assisting his son right now and the head of one of the ministries in their church, the family ministries, and a great man of God. You know, I have always, 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 ever since I came into the church and felt a calling to the ministry, I love to get near the older ministers and just sit down and ask questions. And as long as they'll talk, just keep my mouth shut and glean everything that I can from them. They have experiences. They have experiences that we can learn from. I appreciate every man and woman of God that has stuck it out and lived for God for a number of years. It is not the path of least resistance. Someone said, I don't want to be a man in the church. Men in the church are a bunch of sissies. That is hogwash. If you've been in the church for very long and you stay in the church, it'll not because, be because you're a weak person, but it'll be because you have backbone. It'll be because you have your hand in the hand of God and you have the courage to stand against the devil and all of hell. It takes a real man and a real woman to live for God. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I wanted to do something tonight before I attempted to preach to you. Um, we, we have a couple of men. One uh, has been honored, and the other one will be very shortly. Um, each year, uh, for the last several years that I've gone to conference on the general board, uh, during those meetings, we have a banquet one evening, and it's a special banquet, and it's designed to honor certain men and women. It is called the Order of Faith, and it was established in 2002. It's the UPCI's prestigious award honoring outstanding achievement and exemplary service to the UPCI. Currently, or since 2002, 75 people have been given or honored with this award. Last year in 2015, we had this uh, gathering, and I was blessed to be part of the gathering again. And uh, I, I was uh, doubly blessed to see one of our men honored in this position. And that was our own Brother J.R. Blackshear. Brother Blackshear, will you stand? 
That's all right. Where honor is due, give honor. He's worthy of it. He's given his life to the work of God. Over 50 years of active ministry. I was informed today that at General Conference this next fall, 2016, another one of our men will be honored with this award. I, as I think about it, it makes me feel really old. I was on the board when this man was approved for local license. He's served in many positions across our fellowship. He has a unique gift that he's using right now. Uh, he is requested to go all over the place just about all the time, taking up offerings. He's very good. I've seen him come to a place and say, you know, I believe there's $80,000 here. And I'm thinking, give me a break. And when the offering's taken up, there's over $80,000 there. It's amazing. It's amazing. This man has a lot of backbone. He one time served as presbyter over Canada. And we're talking about our very own Brother Ted Wagner. Brother Wagner, will you stand? Pardon me, but these are great men. And if you'll allow me to say it this way, I am proud to be able to rub shoulders with them, proud to be in church with them, proud to worship with them. These are great men that have weathered the storm and come out victorious. Hallelujah! You can be seated. In case you didn't know, he's the silver-headed one with, well, what's left of it up there? Brother Sistrunk, you're glad to have you here. You came in later tonight. Good to have you here. We're going to be blessed tomorrow morning and next morning. Brother Sistrunk going to talk to us about how to win souls and build churches. And that's what we want to do. I said that's what we want to do. We want to win souls and build churches. We are a church with purpose. We are a church with direction. We are a church with vision. And we're going to see it come about. Amen. Let's get into this tonight. It may be a long time, I'll warn you now, but I am, I'm a man on a mission. I'm not here to entertain you. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. I'm preaching to the church tonight. Because I'm preaching to the church, I'm going to assume that you will know the stories that I refer to, and I can just hit the mountaintops and make the points. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of the laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Notice verse 3. And this will we do, if God permit. Please be seated tonight. The whole point of the scripture is that we're not to come into church, be born into the church as a baby, and remain that way forever. 
The point is not to say that when we come into the church, we're a baby, we learn baby things, and we come to a place and point in time where we're to leave those things behind and move on. The whole point of this is that the church is to grow in maturity. However, the church cannot grow into maturity without retaining its foundational doctrine. Repentance from dead works. If you take repentance out of the salvation message, you don't have salvation. I don't want to chase rabbits tonight, but if we can get our people to repent when they first time come to, I'm talking about real, genuine repentance when they come to an altar, they're going to overcome 99% of the temptations before they ever come up out there because their mind is made up. I'm laying it all down. I'm crucifying the man. I'm not going to be the same person when I walk out of here. I'm leaving the old man at the altar. I want to tell you that genuine repentance is powerful. If we can just get people to do it, it's powerful. Faith toward God. He that comes to God must believe that he is. That he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you ever lose faith in your prayers, you're in trouble. If you ever think... He doesn't hear me. You're in trouble. These are foundational beliefs, foundations to our salvation. Water and spirit baptisms, the doctrine of baptisms, plural, plural. They're important. The laying on of hands, the laying on of hands. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, verse 2, it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were. We find a foundational, what we call the apostles' doctrine. We find a foundation there that the church is built on, that we cannot lay down and lay aside, but we have to keep that under us. As we grow and we mature in the kingdom, we keep that foundation under us. In 1173 A.D., construction was started on a tower in Pisa, Italy. It was completed in 1372, 200 years later. The tower height is 183.27 feet. It's known around the world, and you all read about it in your textbooks when you went to grade school. It's called the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I remember seeing a picture just a couple of days ago of that tower. The record says that it, it leans 13 feet from center mass. It will not stand by itself. The only reason it's still there is because of supports that were put unto the foundation and steel cables that hold that building up. Otherwise, it would fall. And I suppose they would let it fall if it weren't the landmark for the city. The reason for the lean in the foundation is very simple. It was built on sand. Let me quote, the tower began to sink after construction had progressed to the second floor in 1178. This was due to a mere three-meter foundation set in weak, unstable soil, a design that was flawed from the beginning. My point is, is without a proper foundation, you are doomed from the very start. Yeah. 
Bear with me while I lay a foundation here because I intend on going somewhere with this. Ephesians chapter 2, 19 and 20 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus is our cornerstone and the word of God is our foundation. If we build on any other foundation, we are fooling ourselves thinking it's going to go somewhere. If we build on a faulty foundation, there will be storms come and we are doomed to fall. But oh, thank God, there is a foundation we can build on that when the storms come, they cannot prevail. So with that said, I ask the question and then I answer it. Who are we, Pentecostal people? Who are we, United Pentecostal Church? I want to tell you that we are the same church that was born in the book of Acts in chapter 2. Excuse me just a minute. I hate these things. Let, let me vary for just a minute here. When I first bought this thing, I didn't know how to use it. But I had a wedding, and I thought I'll try it out. So I had the ceremony all typed out on here. I'm standing there. The groom is to my left. The best man is on the other side over here. Here comes the bride down the aisle. For some reason, I hand this to Brother Dave. He's sitting here today. I do my little thing over here. I come back. I get it. He gives it to me. It's gone. The same thing has happened right here tonight in this. All right, I'm ready now. I got that out of my system. I'm ready now, okay? We are Acts 238 people. That's who we are. We are Acts 238 people from the bottom of our feet to the top of our head, from the very depth of our soul to the outermost being. I love Acts 238 because I had my sins forgiven and washed away in baptism and I rose to a new creature through the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It changed my life. It gave me hope. It made me a new creature. We're one God people. Deuteronomy 4.36. Pardon me while I support that a little bit. I'm on a mission tonight. I, there are always stories and there are always critics and always naysayers saying it's not going to last. It's going down. The church is not doing well. That time, I want to tell you that the church is doing well. We've got a lot of young people here tonight that are wondering what these older people are going to do. Are we going to stand strong? Are we going to move to the left? What are we going to do? No, I'm telling you, we're Acts 238 people. We're one God people. We believe it's stronger than we've ever believed it before. And by me doing this tonight, our young people are going to stand like you're doing right now and say, amen, that's where I'm going with all of my strength, with all of my might. Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Deuteronomy 32, 29, I am he and there is no God with me. 
2 Samuel 7, 22, 1 Chronicles 17, 20, Neither is there any God beside me. 86, Tom 86, 10, Thou art God alone. Isaiah 43, 10 and 11, There ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Isaiah 44, 6, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Oh, let's celebrate that tonight. Let's celebrate that tonight. And I don't need to do this, but I'm going to throw it in. 1 Timothy 3, 16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. That's Jesus and him alone. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Colossians 2, 8, 9, you know it, but I'm going to say it anyhow. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus saith unto Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Put yourself there 2,000 years ago. If ye had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, he's as confused as you or I would be. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. We'll be satisfied with that. It's a hard thing, Master, but you show us and we'll be satisfied. We'll believe it and we'll be satisfied. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Oh, I'm glad I know that there's one God, and I'm glad I know what his name is. There is a name that's above every name. Try to sit down for just a minute. Let's go a little bit further about who we are, our very core. We are holiness people. I said we are holiness people. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, having therefore these promises, because you have the promises of God in your life, because he's cleaned you up, because he straightened you out, because he's given you the promise of eternity, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I read something the other day. Brother Simeon Young, past editor of the Pentecostal Herald, wrote this, and I quote, The inescapable fact is that holiness is a prominent doctrine in the word of God. The writer of the book of Hebrews said, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Friend, how can we be any plainer than that? I believe that's just as powerful as Acts 2.38. John 3.3 3 and 3.5 says you cannot, except you be born of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Acts 2.38 tells us how to be born of water and spirit. Jesus said you have to have it or you can't be saved. And the anointed word of God says, follow peace and holiness with all men, without which no man shall see the Lord. 
My late great friend, Brother Marvin Treese, Dr. Marvin Treese, I heard him say several times from behind the pulpit and in personal conversation. Let me preface that a little bit. He realized that there are different interpretations and different lines drawn when it comes to the matter of holiness. He realized that everybody doesn't believe exactly the same on where the line, draw the line, and what exactly to do about it. But I've heard, I have seen him look people in the eye and say, whatever holiness is, you better get it. Whatever holiness is, you better get it. The implied message is, if you don't get it, you ain't got nothing. And holiness is important in flesh and spirit. I want to say that in many cases, our largest churches in the UPCI, and in every case, our strongest churches are those that have embraced our apostolic distinctives. I don't preach for response, but you didn't give me a good enough one on that. In many cases, our largest churches in the UPCI and in every case, in every case, our strongest churches are those that have embraced our apostolic distinctives. Oh, friend, I'm talking about our foundation. I'm talking about who we are. We've got something solid to stand on. We're not a new church. We haven't moved on from our foundation. We're still built on Jesus Christ and the apostles' doctrine. The church will always have its critics. It will always have its naysayers. It always has from the very beginning. 2,000 years ago, there were the critics on the day of Pentecost that said they ain't got nothing. They're just drunk on wine. But I want to tell you that we're still the same church. We still have critics. We always I will have critics and naysayers. But I want to tell you, there's always going to be a church. When the rapture takes place, whether it's tonight or a hundred years from now, there's going to be a church without spot or without wrinkle. I don't care what you've heard. There's going to be a church without spot, without wrinkle, that's going to be caught up in the air, quickened when the trump of God sounds. Oh, I wish I could yell it louder. I wish I could scream it stronger. This world is not my home. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. I'm going to another place. I'm tired of all this stuff. Let the critics stay. I'm going. I'm going up. Please be seated. Let me get my voice to rest here a minute. Help me, Lord, help me. My wife and I pastored in Delta Junction for three years. Two years of that, we lived in Fairbanks and drove back and forth. In two years, we drove 20, over 26,000 miles just to and from church in two years. But we moved down to Delta Junction because we felt like the little group we had deserved to have a pastor. And so we went, and uh, they had one lumber yard in town, hardware store, whatever you want to call it, just a little, little bitty place, you know. And so... Uh, I went in there one day and got introduced to Mrs. Seitz. Sweet lady, really. Well, most of the time, sweet lady. And so I said, well, Mrs. Seitz, I said, you know, I just moved here. And she said, yes, I know. And I said, well, I, I, I would like to get some stuff. I said, is it possible that, that I could set up an account? She said, you already have one. I said, well, how does that work? She said, just like everybody else here, you come and get what you want, and when you can pay something on it, you pay something on it. She was a very committed woman. She was a Jehovah Witness. And every time I'd come in the store, she'd try to stick me. 
Well, Reverend Parrish, my Bible tells me. And so we go back and forth. You know, they don't believe. Well, they believe the coming of the Lord's already taken place. Happened sometime in 1940-something, 44, thereabouts, you know. And now they're working on the millennium, you know, by works kind of thing. And they use that scripture that the meek shall inherit the earth. And I went in there one day, and she said, well, Reverend Parrish, she said, my Bible tells me that the meek are going to inherit the earth. I turned and looked at her. I said, Mrs. Seitz, you've got that right. You're staying here, but I'm going up. <laughs> no, I, would, I wasn't near as ugly as she was to me, all right? I went in there one day, and I said, and I said where's such and such? And her husband said, over there. I went over, and I'm standing, I'm looking at it, and I see the price tag on it. He said, you're going to buy it or not? I said, man, I said, that costs a lot of money. He said, you're right, it costs too much money, but if you take it home, it's what you're going to pay for it. We had our times, Delta Junction. Our text tonight, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Let us go on into perfection. We've got a solid foundation, Brother Blackshear. We've got a solid foundation. We could grow on this. We can grow on this. What is going on to perfection talking about? In the natural sense, in the natural sense, a baby is born. The baby goes home from the hospital and through several years go by, that, that child grows up, gets married, and brings forth children. That's, that's maturity. That's how we as human beings, we mature. We grow, grow we're born, we grow up, and we, we have children kind of thing. Well, I really believe that the church is not just to get caught up in the little everyday squabbles and fights that come along and talk about knowledge and wisdom and this and that as a mature level type of thing, but I really believe that we as the church, when we're born into the church, we're born with the purpose of growing up and becoming mature Christians in the sense that just like in the natural lesson, we bring forth spiritual children. I really believe that. The Bible uses a lot of natural things, natural stories and, and experiences and nature in life to illustrate or to reveal spiritual truths. Ephesians chapter 5 is one of those when it talks about the relationship between husband and wife and, and how they're to treat each other and that kind of thing. In fact, I told our church last week one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible was Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as unto the Lord. I love that scripture. Her scripture is just down two or three from that, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And she loves this part and gave himself for it. But if you go on down to verse 32, Paul says there's more to this than simply the natural relationship that I'm talking about. He says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Okay, so what I get out of that right off of the top is, is that, you know, Christ the groom, the church the bride, and so if we, the church, submit ourselves to him, then he's going to take care of us. And we can't control what he does, but we can control what I do. And I can't worry about him fulfilling his responsibility, but if I'll just fulfill my responsibility to him by submitting to him, then he's going to take care of me. There's a beautiful picture there. Let's take it a step further. We find Mary, 
the Virgin Mary and the birth of Jesus. It's a beautiful picture of spiritual birth. Mary being representing the church, the human side of this miracle. Mary is overshadowed, Virgin Mary is overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, and a child is born. Let me say that no, how, no matter how good we get in our services, I think we have some of the best preachers anywhere. I think we have some of the best singers anywhere. We've got professional singers in many of our local churches. But as good as we get, we are not going to produce spiritual children until the church becomes overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. Mary was a virgin. She knew no man. The Bible talks about you and I as the church being pure, ready for the bride or the groom. I think we need to keep ourselves from the world and things of the world. And it's only then that the Holy Ghost would think about overshadowing us so that we could be mature and productive in the kingdom of God. But if you and I will become intimate with the Holy Ghost, if you and I will take time to spend with Him, I'm telling you, whatever our church is in Fairbanks, it is only that way because years and years and years and years ago, my associate pastor and me and now others have committed themselves every week to prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord. I don't mean anything negative by this. I'm all for bus ministry, but I just want to use it as an illustration. You can go and get a busload of people, and you can bring them to church, but if the church isn't overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, all you're going to get is a visitor on Sunday. We don't need church members as much as we need church converts, people that are changed at an altar of prayer. We're not just another religion. We're built on the foundation. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, and the apostles' doctrine. And because of that, we can expect miracles in our church. Miracle children to be born. Little Jesuses, if you will. Hallelujah. 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 About eight or nine years ago, I remember standing behind this pulpit giving a vision. I told you that my vision was to help every church in the Alaska Yukon District to grow and that I would commit to doing everything that I could to providing what I called the three M's of evangelization to our pastors. And that would be providing the methods, means, and motivation for all of our pastors. I was reading... Pastor Jim Blackshear's North American Missions Report today in a meeting, and there was something that jumped out that I wanted to show you tonight. Here are some of the ways that we have done and continue to do to fulfill our mission. I read from Brother Jim Blackshear's report, and he said, in the past few months, he and I have talked about this, and we're working together on this. He's doing such a great job in just the short time that he's been in office. In the past, He says, in the past few months, we have been able to help in the following ways. Number one, travel expenses to camp meeting for NAM pastors, NAM, North American Missions pastors. There are some that haven't been able to come because of finances. 
through the North American Missions Department, a way is being made for them to come. We feel that camp meeting is important. It's not just exciting. It's fellowship that hold us together, that keep us up. Number two, building improvements in Delta Junction. Number three, operational expense for Norvik and Kiana. Revival expense for Lamas Revival in Kiana. This is what they're doing through their department. Revival meet number five, revival meeting expense for Ketchikan and Carmax. Number six, plant church planting and growth training at camp with Brother Sistrunk. Number seven, new chairs for the North Americans mission work in Saldotna. Number eight, replaced keyboard for Brother Elmore's church in Juneau. Number nine, purchased four school buses for churches that are starting school bus ministry. While I'm reading this next paragraph in his report, I want the summer missionaries to come and stand right here. And I'd also like our local missionaries, our young people from our churches in our district that go out on the summer trips, I want you to come and stand right here if you will. If you're part of our missions trips, young people, I want you to come right now. Brother Blackshear goes on to say, possibly the most exciting program that the Alaska-Yukon North American Missions has invested in thus far is the Mission Alaska-Yukon program. Yeah. Brother Blackshear has been working with his friend, Brother Haney, and CLC, Christian Life College. And he says, we currently have 12 summer missionaries on location this summer in teams of two in the following cities, Bethel, Anchorage, Wasilla, Ketchikan, and Fairbanks. These 12 summer missionaries are here from CLC, and we are working for and with the pastors to do anything necessary to help facilitate church growth and revival. I believe these young people up here deserve a hand right now. These are the cream of the crop right here. Several of these are from our local churches. And year in and year out, they give themselves to going on mission trips all the way from Ketchikan to Norvik and Kiana, all over the state of Alaska. They continue to do that. Be seated for just a minute. What I'd like to do is I'd like to give the microphone to each person that's up here, all across. And what I want you to do is I want you to state your name, where you are from, and where you're going to work this summer. My name is Thomas, and uh, I'm from Sterling. I'm going to work in uh, Ketchikan. Sterling Church. Think about it, a missionary born in Sterling Church. Um, my name is Cecilia. I'm from Anchorage, and I'll be going to Ketchikan. All right. My name is Vanessa. I am from Anchorage. Well, originally from Fairbanks, but... <laughs> and this is embarrassing because I have not signed up for a trip yet. <laughs> um, I've gone on trips before, but I haven't signed up for a trip yet. But Lord willing, I'll be going to one this year, so... She's actually on, from Fairbanks. She's on loan to Anchorage right now. 
I am Rihanna Hernandez, and I am from Arizona, and I am currently in Anchorage with Pastor Shrek. I'm so sorry, my brain. Woo. Uh, my name is Summer Powell, and I'm from Texas, and I am here to serve Pastor Shrek and his family. My name is Katrina. I am from California, and I am helping out at the Bagwell's Church in Fairbanks. I am Lauren Ogden. I am from Stockton, California, and I am working in Soldatna for the Soldatna Pentecostals and the pastors by the Benton Hall. My name is Ashley Ramirez. I am also from Stockton, California, and I'm also working with the Menden Halls in Soldatna, Alaska, not California. <laughs> My name is Megan Donhauer. I am from Seattle, Washington, and I'm here to serve the Bagwells in Fairbanks. My name is Jennifer Amasquita. I'm from California, and I'm serving the Bradbury's in Bethel this summer. My name is Jennifer James. My home church is in Ashland, Wisconsin. I came here from Apostolic Bible Institute in St. Paul, and I will be with the Bradbury's in Bethel. My name is Noah Bay. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm serving under uh, Pastor Chad Scott and, uh, and Mrs. Scott in Wasilla, Alaska. My name is Russell Aspinwall. Um, I'm from the great city of Pawpaw, Michigan, and I'm honored to serve with uh, Brother Bradbury in the city of uh, Bethel, Alaska. Praise the Lord, church. My name is Brandon Castillo. I'm from the state of California. I'm, I'm be serving under uh, Pastor Scott and his wife to be a servant for him and to lift up his arms in the time of need. Amen. My name is Braden Butler. I'm from Life Church in Anchorage, and I'm going to be serving in Fairbanks and Delta Junction this year. My name is Tyler Dart. I'm living in Fairbanks, and I'll be serving the Rathbuns in Sitka. <laughs> My name is Jaron Miller, and I live in Fairbanks, and God's will, I'll be going to Ketchikan. I'm Josiah Schroeder, and to my embarrassment, I have not signed up yet this year, but anywhere that there is need, and if my pastor gives me permission, I'll be going somewhere in this district. How many trips have you gone with this pastor? I believe around 30, sir. My name is Faith Dart. Um, I'm from the Parish's Church in Fairbanks, and I will be going to Sitka. I'm Cassidy Schrack um, from Anchorage Pentecostal Tabernacle in, in Anchorage, and I'm going to Sitka this year. My name is Ellis Churchill, and I'm, going, I'm from Kenai, and I'm going to be going to Fairbanks and Delta and Sitka. Hi, my name is Adrian Butler, and I'm from Life Church in Anchorage, and I'm going to uh, Fairbanks and Delta Junction. Excuse me. Um, I'm Justine Chapman. I am from Sitka, and I'll be staying in Sitka to help the Rathbones. 
My name is Gracie. I'm from Life Church, and I will be going to Kitchikeen. My name is Amanda. I'm from Life Church in Anchorage, Alaska, and I'll be going to Fairbanks and Delta Junction. Uh, praise the Lord. I'm Zach. I'm from Life Church in Anchorage, and if it's God's will, uh, definitely Sitka and Fairbanks, but my most important one is Anchorage right now. My name is A.J. Bartlett. I'm from Sterling, and I will be going to Fairbanks. My name is Shelby Pritchard, and I live in Anchorage, and I'm going to go to Ketchikan. My name is Brandon Bowman from Gap Church in Anchorage, and I will be going to Sitka. My name is William Springer, and I'm from Anchorage, and I'm going to Sitka. My name is Allie Hale. I'm from Gap Church in Anchorage, and I'll be going to Ketchikan this summer. And I think they stand, they deserve an applause. Y'all can be dismissed. Thank you. Please remain standing with me, if you will. I want the Kenai singers to come back, if they would, please. They sing a song tonight. No other name. It was the slow song. But when they sing that, I felt something. When they were singing that, they talked about him being a healer. I could see in my mind's eye. A couple of years ago, Sister Anderson from our church, she came to this meeting, the camp meeting, with two canes, a walker, and a lot of pain. She was prayed for right down here. And she has not touched the canes or the walker since then. I felt the same thing a few minutes ago. Just a few years ago, I remember after preaching the opening service, right over here in this place, a lot of screaming and yelling and flash cubes going, bulbs going off. And I remember a man begins screaming out, I can see, I can see, I can see. When they sing that song tonight, I felt the same thing then as I felt in those times when God worked and moved in a miraculous way. I felt like getting up behind the pulpit, but the Lord, I felt like the Lord said, no, you need to preach your message tonight, and then we'll do that after the message is over with. So we're going to sing again this. We're going to get in the spirit, and we're going to expect God to do something great and wonderful here tonight in this service. If you're here tonight and you're sick in body, you're afflicted or whatever it is, tonight could be your night. God wants to do something special in your life. As they begin to sing this, I want all of you that will to migrate, to move up toward the front up here. And if you have a special need, reach out to the Lord. Put your hand on someone's shoulder and say, pray for me tonight. I have this need. Come on, come right now. Every one of you that will, please. If you'd like to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's here tonight. He's here tonight. He wants to fill you and give you what you need before you leave this place.
There is no need too great for him. There isn't anything he cannot do. What kind of change do you need in your life? What do you need the Lord to do? Would you just reach out to him right where you are?